Hey guys, welcome to the Disseminate Podcast. My name is Jasegan, and with me I have Aaron and Arius, and each month we'll talk about trending issues occurring around the world from the comfort of our homes. So let's jump right in. In today's episode of the Disseminate Podcast, it's a topic that's on everybody's minds and everybody's lungs. The notorious coronavirus, also known as COVID-19. Arius will be hosting today's episode and talking about the key points, including the cases, if it's really overblown, Will people take the vaccine and how effective lockdowns are? So today's current situation of COVID, according to John Hopkins University, the uh, total worldwide cases is standing at about 58 million. And uh, the worldwide deaths are standing in at about 1.34 million. Jeez. Um, yeah, that's a lot. I mean, I don't... It's interesting that we've all sort of flocked over to John Hopkins and they've sort of become the uh, the force of reckoning here. Um, so hopefully these numbers are reliable. I think they all are. I think a lot of people tend to tend to look at them. Um, highest death rates in the world. Number one, uh, U.S. takes the prize. <laughs> and, uh, and India is second and then Brazil is third. So... Um, you know, it's interesting when you look at these death rates, the U.S. is is trailing ahead by quite a bit. They're about one and a half times more than the second place person, Brazil. And uh, and U.S. is known for great health care. Um, so I guess a lot of questions can come up. I mean, does this seem like it's overblown or the are the death really COVID related? Um or is there is there something else? You know, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because I've been watching a lot of like, uh, of course, uh, being at a work from home situation and being at home majority of the time. I've been watching a lot of YouTube and a lot of videos, and if you notice, people aren't like being as precautious as normal, right? Like they're not wearing masks. They're kind of just gathering up. I don't know if like the, I guess, rules and regulations there is a lot more easier compared to what it is like in Canada. I know I know for us, like we have to be socially distanced, we have to wear a mask wherever we go. Um, maybe maybe that has to be a factor, right? I think so. I uh, know that the US never really, I mean, some states went into a proper lockdown, um, but other states didn't. And there's definitely a lot more freedom um, to move around. And I, I think people here are definitely worried about it, but it's, they're not going to let it stop them from doing what they want to do from traveling, shopping, going places. So that could be a factor in, in the high rate of cases here in the U S I think so. Um, I think, I think it's just a little, unsettling just because we don't know what the future months hold right especially with winter coming along um what do you guys think about that um uh, something i i think it's something to keep in mind too um about it what both of what you said uh, with the winter months and if it's if it's overblown um first of all in the u.s uh when you look at all these cases are they coming from urban areas or are they coming from rural areas like you know, what is the healthcare situation in, 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 in both of these areas? Because as we know, 
the U.S. model of healthcare is very different. Some people have healthcare insurance, some people don't. And what does that look like? And does that affect um, the outcome of people who die from COVID because they can't get proper healthcare, or is is it even irrelevant? Like you know, like I, I don't know. What do you guys like? How do you guys feel about that? Because in Canada. From my understanding, like it's just we just have one healthcare system, and everybody's entitled to um, kind of the same universal standard. You know, if you compare the different healthcare systems around the world, I think U.S. would stand out as one that takes pride in its privatized healthcare, uh, and much of Europe is, I would say, socialist. In their healthcare approach, uh, Canada as well. Um, maybe it's a testament. I mean, maybe the evidence is right there when we look at the COVID numbers that, you know, socialized healthcare, public healthcare might be the better approach. Um, you know, when you're talking about like death rates and stuff, there's an article in BBC that I came across a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and it was titled, Are Indians More Immune to COVID? And I know India is ranked number the most deaths worldwide. Um, but if you look at the population of India, it's coming in at around 1.3 billion people. And they got less deaths than the U.S. and Brazil. But I would say that India from an economic standpoint is behind both these countries. So here you have like a third world country that's trying to catch up. Um, but their death rate isn't that high in proportion to the population of the country. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe climate could be uh, what's a factor in India, because if you look at their climate, it's, it's much warmer than, ours over here in the West, you know, um, and, and going back to what Jasikin said about winter, uh, that could be something which is detrimental to the West where, you know, winter happens and then we have flu season on top of the COVID and have those two things intermingling could be uh, 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 overwhelm our healthcare systems, you know. Yeah, but the, um, you know, the climate could be a factor in India, but don't forget that Good there's point. a ton of pollution in the major cities of India. Like, yeah, I hear statistics about how, like, every year living in New Delhi takes off really? seven years of your life. And that people, yeah, and that people, um, you know, I'll look this up in just a sec. But it is, it is, it's a high number of people die every year because of the pollution in India. So it's a real thing. So here you have India where they, they have a ton of pollution. Their health care is probably like close to zero in comparison to um, any Western country. And yet they're actually seemingly faring quite well in the pandemic. And I, I think you could probably speculate at what this is. I mean, um, I couldn't, I'm not going to come on and say I have an answer, but you know, I've 
come across a lot of studies about the power of vitamin D and how vitamin D has shown to be quite effective against um, contracting COVID. And uh, maybe that's a point. I mean, you mentioned climate before, Aaron. And uh, yeah, I, like maybe the, the heat of the sun and getting that vitamin D and, and being exposed to it plays a factor. Maybe they have higher immune systems because they live in a more polluted environment and their bodies are just more accustomed that to say that. that uh, Aries, I'm just looking up at uh, the John Hopkins University uh, website. And you bring up such a good point, which it just clicked to me. India has 3 million more cases than Brazil uh, when it comes to COVID. But in terms of deaths, they have 30,000 less deaths um, than Brazil, which is interesting. So, like, I wonder why Brazil has more deaths than India, but is averaging less cases. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah, because India has about less than 2% um, death rates, which is lower. It's one of the lowest of, I guess, all the countries, more yeah. like all the countries of the world. See, it's, it is. Uh, I mean, something you, to you think, think about. You think like, <laughs> vitamin D actually has an impact to it then? I, I've heard a number of doctors mentioned that and I've read a number of articles mentioning that. Um, I don't, you know, um, there's that argument in the States that a lot of the people getting COVID are, are coming from uh, low income demographics and um, areas where they have mm-hmm. poor access to healthcare. And that's probably all true. Um, but then when you put it right up against India, I don't, I don't think like you can even compare because like the, you would think that the U S standards is going to be way higher than the Indian. Like, of course, people in India, the, the average person wouldn't have the kind of access to healthcare, like mm-hmm. someone in the U S would. So, um, like, what does that say? Right. Like, is is the argument in the u.s even valid now is is the point that we are mentioning you know low demographics and your low income or or your racial status or anything like that is that even a valid point um or is it sort of kind of overblown because if you look at india india is kind of telling a different story here that's a great point uh arius um it's like how do you compare the two you know like how can you compare india to the united states when you would expect india due to you know the i guess you would say the makeup of the country they have a large poor population but when you compare it to the united states which you do hear a lot of racial um statistics and breakdowns that is coming from poor areas it just something doesn't add up so the question is you know is this legit on terms of what our governments are telling us or is there something more then that goes beyond the eye, you know? Right. And I don't want to, I'm not going to be some advocate of fake news, although I think we should all be very wary of what we read on the media and, and sort of see Mm -hmm. both sides of the spectrum. But, uh, but, you know, there is something to say to that. And 
in answer to your question there, Jazz, the consensus here in India for 2019 showed that pollution contributed to about 6.7 million My deaths. My God. My wow. Goodness. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> and now, and now I'm in, I mean, uh, COVID's a serious situation. I don't want to undermine it, but in India right now, the death rate, according to John Hopkins University, is standing in at, um, let me just pull it up here. It's like 132,000 deaths, <laughs> which pales in comparison to the pollution. I think pollution is yep. probably a bigger issue and in India than COVID. Um, but, well, just to be fair, though, I mean, can, India is practicing a lockdown as well. So maybe if they didn't have a lockdown, it might and, be a different story. That's the thing, too. Their lockdown is very different from lockdown that we have over here because we do have certain freedoms where yes we can go to the grocery store and yes we can do certain things but from what i've been reading and what i've been hearing with india it's a very strict lockdown you know what i mean so it's you can't be outside of your i guess you would say your social circle you can't really um gather with people outside of your household whereas if for the longest time in canada for example, and, and even in the States too, people are gathered with other households, you know? So yeah. maybe that's also uh, a reason for the virus spreading so much faster in the U.S. rather than in India, you know? But see, yeah. like, I guess if we were yeah, to agree. think about it, like with this virus spreading, and a potential vaccine as well. Do you guys think that people like, what do you guys think about the vaccine itself? Because like we have Pfizer, we also have another company. Um, do you think they will be mandatory? The New York times had like their New York, I guess, law journal came out saying that, um, they are calling for mandatory vaccinations. And uh, and I know the pharmaceutical journal also sort of suggested and maybe even encouraged the notion that vaccinations should be delivered in sports stadiums or town halls or mosques uh, to mitigate mm-hmm. the COVID-19 risk. So that talk is definitely there. I think... <clears throat> um, I think that's something to be worried about. You know, National Geographic also has an article here of uh, what the world might look like if if vaccinations are mandatory and what might we expect. And uh, and they allude to things such as like separate lineups going into a stadium and you have to show your little card, your little vaccination card mm-hmm. that gives you like the access to enter the building. Um Seems you know, like it could happen. Go on, Aaron. Uh, no, go ahead, Jasegan. I have. Uh, I'll bring in a point after. No, I, I guess like my my thing is we always have that group of people who who don't want to take the vaccines. Even even in general, with like all the vaccines that we have, um, or vaccinations that we have, people generally don't want to take it, or some people do want to take it. There's also going to be like the group of people who are just like, hey, let's take it. Um, 
I, I think I think when it comes to the vaccine itself, I feel like they're going to be targeting more of the people that are more susceptible to this, to the COVID-19 virus, right? Like the people that are weaker immune systems, people that are older of age. Um, I, I'm just, I'm very curious to see like if people are actually going to take it and like what type of enforcement is going to be done. And like, like you said before, like having a card, is that really, is that really the best way to go? Like, can that be photocopied? Could that be taken away? Stuff like that. I mean, yeah, you could, <clears throat> they mentioned a card, but I mean, you could also just have it on your phone, right? Like, but I mean, those are good points. And um, I would hope that maybe they would do vaccinations more centered towards the group that suffers or potentially could suffer from COVID the most. But I mean, if they're talking about doing vaccinations, if you want to go see a sports game or if you want to go to a concert, um, or restaurants suddenly start saying that they'll only service people who have a vaccine, then, you know, then what? It's uh, interesting that you say that because um, going back to the same article in National Geographic, um, they basically talk about how uh, one of the airliners or the uh, Emirates flight to Dubai, they said that all passengers must present a negative COVID-19 test certificate. And that can possibly change the travel industry in the future where you cannot fly without a, a vaccination. And then you have to prove that you've been vaccinated. You know what I mean? It has some type of certificate. So that, that means like people that, you know, fly for business will be forced to take a vaccination. And that is something where I going back to what you see saying is like, you know, should people have option or should this be mandatory? And, you know, if we do make this mandatory, how much con power and control are we willing to give our governments, you know? I think that's what I, I'm nervous about. I, when if they start making it mandatory to get vaccines aboard a flight, I, I don't know. I'll be very <laughs> angry <laughs> because um, it's just ridiculous. Like, you know, we, we saw it during, I mean, maybe, maybe some of our listeners were too young for it and maybe some were too old for it. But uh, in 2001, when the 9-11 attack hit, um, you know, that was a devastating blow to the flight industry, but I think it also sort of gave them more reason to create stricter lockdown procedures or I guess security measures for allowing passengers to board flights. And I understand, I understand the mentality behind it, but like, but then even more recently, you know, some, some idiot boards the flight with uh, a handmade bomb that's, made out of uh um what do you yeah. call it like cosmetics and now suddenly they pass a law that you have to have like the travel size toothpaste and the travel size uh makeup and all this stuff over some dumb incident like it's literally like one dude who who tried to bomb the plane and he wasn't even successful i think he just Jeez. ended up burning himself alive it ruins it for everything um, but like that yeah exactly though and and they they come out and make these like really strict rules that are going to affect like the whole world because of like one thing. And 
And I feel like that's where we're going to be heading with this uh, COVID thing is that it's going to make another excuse for another reason, another security measure to board the flight. You have to have your vaccination card on you along with your passport, along with your boarding pass and along with like a visa and all this stuff and your luggage bags. Like it's like one more thing to think about. Um, I, you know, I personally, I don't plan and I don't, want to get the vaccination um a, i mean my reasons are <laughs> very between <laughs> i just don't like needles straight up and uh <laughs> and part and the other reasons are just because when they start forcing enforcing this stuff and they start fear-mongering that's when like my back really goes up because it's like wait a minute hold on most of the people here that are in serious danger are elderly um, and you could argue whether they are a burden to the healthcare system or not. Um, and my life is not really in danger. And I understand that I could be putting others in danger. Um, but, you know, I think we can get through this. Like I, I, I have a friend, um, well, a friend, I should say a friend's grandfather who's about 102 years old in toronto and you can find him. you search him with him he was in the paper he got covid and he ended up recovering wow. and he's 102 wow. so um i think he'd probably he's a he's he's yeah. definitely a one-off case um but it's possible you know like it's this isn't this isn't like killing every single person that comes you in know, contact to, with to your point and I, and I definitely want to hear what aaron uh what aaron's thoughts are as well me personally, I agree. Like, I don't think I'll be an early adopter to this. Uh, um, I think I might wait a little bit just to see if there's any issues that may arise. And I put issues in quotes because we know that this is going to be tested. We know they're going to... They, what was the number again? It was like 94.5% or something from Pfizer. Um, so we, I don't know what the other issues could potentially be in the future. Like what long-term issues it can be. So I think I'm on that both of not being an early adopter, but more of something waiting and getting it if I have to type of thing. Um, yeah, I, 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 funny enough, I agree with both of you. I think we're all in accordance. Um, I will definitely not be an early adopter, but my reasons are um, just one in particular is that I've been reading that some of these vaccinations are made from fetal tissue so that but that might not necessarily mean the production version of the vaccine has fetal tissue but the testing and um i don't really agree with that although i know they have used fetal tissue for the flu shot um that is one aspect which kind of cautions me a little bit the other option again is um you know forcing it on people you know once you start forcing it uh on the public what are some other things that the government can do you know like it's just the beginning or it's just the, allowing the government to open a door for many other issues to arise so i think i'm gonna wait for a while to see what happens and to see how people react as well because we don't know how people will react you know that's that's another issue so it, that, it, no definitely it's funny that you say that because when once you said how people react, the first thing that popped in my mind was like an anti-mask protest, and now there's going to be like some sort of anti-vaccine protest, and I don't know if it's true or not. It might happen, but that's like the first thing that clicked in my mind because people people don't like wearing masks, 
which is why they're protesting. And if you're going to force people to get a vaccine, the chances of them protesting is going to be pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might find me at the protest. With the mask or without the, a mask? But the other thing, though, is that, like, I've never been a believer of the flu shot, and I've never got the flu shot. Um, I don't even really get the flu, to be honest. Um, but I think we all know that the flu shot is generally about one year behind. And so when you get your flu shot, it's sort of like the flu from last year, not the one that's coming in the year. And a lot of people who get the flu shot end up getting the flu. Um, and I've talked to people who I guess are victims or witnesses, whatever you want to call it to that situation. And so is this going to be the same kind of likeness? Like is the COVID vaccination going to be a year behind, like by the time, by the time it comes out and it's fully distributed to everybody, um, if that even happens, I mean, I, I think there's probably maybe some skepticism of that even being accomplished, but let's say it does. That'll probably take a year. And by the end of next year, everyone will have the vaccination, but is it, is it behind though? Yeah. I mean, has the, has the virus already, uh, evolved and turned into something else? That's a, honestly, Arius, that is the, the number one question I think everybody's asking because, um, you can have a vaccine right now, but there's already reports that in places around the world, such as China, the, the COVID is mutating. So with that being said, um, you know, taking a vaccination would not help you. You know what I mean? You're just, you're, you're still uh, going to be, uh, uh, can still be influenced or still be susceptible to the virus. And, this is why I'm a strong believer going back to what you said in the beginning is eating healthy, having vitamin D, even vitamin C, because your body will naturally fight the virus if you're eating healthy and you're exercising, you're doing the things that you need to do. Not saying that you can't die from getting the virus, but you have a stronger chance of fighting the virus. So um, that's a wonderful point I, 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 I think you brought up there. And you're on the ball about that because there is so much talk about um, the vaccination and I guess everybody's view and hope is that, oh, you know, this vaccination is going to be like the savior and it's going to come like a white knight and like, you know, help everybody. But like nobody ever talks about just living healthy because if you just live healthy and you live a normal, like, you know, keep a clean diet, exercise or do some sort of physical physical activity every day or a few times a week um you know you'll be fine like it's like and if you do get covid then chances are there's i mean there's a high probability that you're going to recover from it and you're just going to be fine um and unless you have any sort of pre uh conditions or health problems beforehand i put you at risk uh yeah i mean for sure get the vaccine but no one no one talks about the like like the living healthy part it's almost like it's too much work or it's too much effort to to go through it or maybe it's a broken record and everybody hears it all the time like oh you know you should live healthy you should run more you should exercise more you should lose weight all this stuff (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
yeah. you know what? It's funny you say uh, that too because the question <laughs> is like, there's so many other diseases such as high blood pressure, diabetes, and many other things. Like the question is, how many people are dying per day uh, from those diseases because we're focusing so much on COVID-19 and not focusing on those things as well or are showing the same amount of um, energy and in, in, in those areas as well. You know what I mean? Oh, there's definitely a lot more um, dangerous things out there than than the COVID. I I believe. I mean, I I think to some degree the the media has taken it a little over the top. Um, I mean, we all know that the media makes money mm-hmm. off of sensationalism, and so all their articles just have to be sensational. Otherwise, they're not going to be in business. Um, but they're like, yeah, like high blood pressure, diabetes, uh, obesity, all these things Causes are the death. Yeah. probably way more dangerous. Yeah, yeah. like way, like alcoholism, like all this stuff. It's just like way more dangerous than than what we're up against. And, you know, I was if you go on the CDC website and you check out the Spanish flu, because I was just looking up the Spanish flu history. And I know these are kind of two different um situations uh but i think there's probably some similarities because the spanish flu was considered to be probably the most deadly flu that's hit the world before covid um actually i'd probably say i'd I'd venture to say it's still holds as the most deadly one even more than covid Uh, if you crunch the numbers according to the cdc website here um at the time about 500 million people or one third of the world's population Jeez. got the Spanish flu. Yeah, it's a lot of people. And so at the time, so when I Googled, I guess you could do the backwards math. It's about 1.5 million. No, sorry, 1.5 billion. I Googled the population uh, in 1918, and it was about 1.8 billion people. So 500 million people got it, and about 50 million people Whoa. died worldwide. So if you do the quick math, you're looking at about like just over two and a half percent death rate worldwide. Um, that number, I mean, just that number alone, 50 million is way more than what the COVID is right now. But then let's say like, if you extrapolate that and apply it to our numbers today, a two and a half percent death rate with our world's population would take us at 216 million deaths worldwide yeah that's crazy and i i you know i don't think anybody wants to see that happen but we're not anywhere close to that and i think you know i think i think we'll be just fine i I also think though that the measures that we've taken are extreme like this lockdowns and stuff um but maybe well i mean speaking of the the measures itself Um, and i i don't want to sound like i'm preaching so much but as long as people do their due diligence, right? Like they are, there's people out there that are protesting downtown Toronto um, not to wear masks. There's people that are gathering up in parties and weddings and they're getting fined too, which is stupid beyond my means. Like, I don't know why you're at going to these events knowing that you'll get fined. Um, like, as long as people understand that, listen, if you get the virus, uh, you can pass it to other people. And that's what the biggest issue is, right? You can pass it to your parents. You can pass it to your grandparents. You can pass it to people who are more susceptible to getting the virus. And that's the biggest concern. 
Um, yeah, yeah, agreed. You know, um, yeah, agreed. that's the biggest yeah. issue. Like even locally with our shutdowns, um, with them shutting down Toronto and Peel, a lot of these people that are in those areas might decide, hey, guess what? I can't have a wedding in Peel, but however, I can go get a minister in Durham region, you know, and they can, you know, have the wedding in Durham region because we are open still and the virus can spread that way as well, you know? I agree. And I, I'm so upset about the decision because I wanted them to close York as well. Uh, York is in the middle, right? Between Scarborough, between Toronto and Peel. Yes. So anyone, anyone who just like crosses the border of Steeles is right there in Markham. So they can do whatever they like. Uh, well, I mean, I say whatever they like with like open uh, brackets, but without the limitations that uh, Toronto and Peel has. And that's what's upsetting because if you go on Twitter, it's already flooding with people going, oh, we're going to, we're going to York. We're going to get our haircuts at York. We're going to go shopping at York. Everything's fine at York. But realistically, it's not the case because York's numbers are jumping up as well. Yeah, but do you think, though, that it's even the right decision to go into a lockdown? Like, I know cases are going up, um, but I don't know if the right decision is to go into a lockdown because now we're just hurting yep. people's livelihoods more than, you know, and I, I think the average person would rather take the risk at working and mm-hmm. trying to provide for their family over the, just sitting around. I agree. Doing no, nothing, that's, right? that's the, the issue, right? The issue is if we go into another lockdown, how are people going to react to it? How is the economy going to react to it? Is it the right thing to do? Like these small businesses are definitely going to be affected. People are definitely going to be affected. And now that we're coming into the winter months, people are less likely to be going outside because it's going to be too cold. And uh, I don't know. So go, it's funny you guys talk about uh, affecting people's lives. So according to an article on CNBC, it's titled COVID-19 pandemic first time 40% of Americans have experienced food insecurities. And that is quite a startling number uh, because many people that they say that about four in 10 Americans um have experienced food insecurity for the first time and uh, during this COVID-19 pandemic. And when you look at that, a lot of people are going to food banks. Like that's kind of crazy. And a lot of these numbers that they're talking about in the article, you can kind of compare to even like the Great Depression. They're like, this is what COVID has done. It's not just the health factor, but it's also the economic factor that if you shut down the place, like Aria said, you know, you're, you're going to destroy people's lives. So where is the equilibrium in, in regards to the trade-off where, okay, we have to close it down somewhat, but we still have to keep business open because mm-hmm. the long-term effect of closing it down right now is that, okay, we're destroying our economy and some jobs will not come back, you know? Yep. You know, the one thing that I've, I have yet to hear and I don't hear anybody talk about it, and I'll probably trigger people if I mention it, but no one ever talks about doing a lockdown <laughs> on the public transit. I think that I think I think that is where probably the majority Not- of the cases come from, although I have yet to see a study on it, and maybe nobody maybe people are just said, afraid right? to do a study on it. Yeah, the public transit because that 
is where a lot of the contact is like it's not really the like the restaurants sure maybe a little bit but now it's like like a lot of like like toronto as an example but i think even parts of europe we were already sort of in this pseudo lockdown like it's not as extreme as the spring but it's a little better it's like phase two or phase three or whatever you want to call it um but now we're easing back into the lockdown but Mm -hmm. and the cases are spiking but the restaurants already were taking limited people and the other stores and barbers were already taking limited people and offices and physiotherapists again were like spaced out sessions and all this thing and yet the cases are spiking so why is it that they're suddenly spiking with this less contact i like i I just feel like I, I don't feel like that's the issue, though. I feel like the issue is probably in the public transit. I think that's probably the number one uh, thing that is causing the problem. Although I understand, like, you can't, you can't shut it down because people need to get around. you but. say that, Aries, because you're right. No one's actually talking about that. But according to 680 News, um, there seems to be mostly, com- uh, what do you call their community transmission. So meaning a lot of people are gathering like with different households and stuff like that. And even I, I remember just I think it was not last week, but the week before there was a hundred people in Etobicoke that had a party, yep. you know? So it's not just like the public transit, but it's like people gathering and, and going and having big events, like just defying and being rebellious against the government's orders to, you know, we're somewhat open but they're asking you not to gather in, in with people outside of your social circle. So I don't, I don't know um, what's going to happen if people continue to do that. And then again, you go back to public transit again, that's another, I think a uh, great point where it would be a great case study to see um, if there's community transmission, because you don't really hear, it's funny you said, you don't really hear anything about the TTC, but I've actually heard cases on Go Transit. Yep, I have too. Yeah, I know. And uh, I mean, now, I, I, like this case is probably not applicable to a lot of places in the U.S. Um, because the public transit is just not that big in the U.S. outside of like L.A. or New York City or um, any other, of the like Chicago. Um but it is it is something interesting you know the thing with the lockdown is like you can't blame i know like it's people are telling each other to stay home but when you go to like a party like you can't blame them i mean it's been what is it what is this now months like uh, nine or ten yeah so well yeah it's like march march was in the lockdown and now it's november so yeah, it's been a lot of months. Um, fatigue, people yeah, are kind of right. going crazy. <laughs> See, and I and I and I came across an article just yesterday about how there's like a record number of Canadians just going down to the U.S. for the winter season, huh. like just wow. snowboarding down there, um, even even defying the the lockdown rules because. I think at the end of the day, like it's human nature. We have to get so out. We have to work? move. We have to do something. Is it that they're doing it? They're flying because I know the border is closed right now. So can they fly to the U.S. right now still? 
Yeah, you can fly to the U.S. You can't. Can. I mean, uh, as far as I know, you can't drive. Yeah, you can't. You can't drive. Last I checked, that might have changed, but I don't know, I, I, maybe if you have a good reason to drive. Um, I mean, essential workers. You know, that's another thing too. I I read this article on CBC about how the uh, Canadian government is allowing. No, no, sorry. 90 it was like 80 or 90 percent of the people coming into canada don't have really? to quarantine wow um yeah but then but then if you read <laughs> i know it sounds crazy but then as you start to read down the article these people coming into canada are actually like essential workers they're truck drivers they're um wholesalers they're doctors they're medical people all this stuff so of course they don't need to quarantine because their jobs are going back and right. forth crossing the border all the time um so the article was saying that like you know there should be more stricter lockdown procedures and we need to stop this from happening and uh and it's just one of those things where like is that really a factor like are they really spreading covid if they're just driving a it's, truck it's weird but <laughs> like know. you know to, to pick um, at your brains one of the things is that Right as soon as school started, transmission got a lot worse. What do you guys think about that? Because I think right as soon as schools have opened up and started reopening and people started going back to school, the cases suddenly started spiking up. Do you think there's some sort of correlation to that? Um, yeah. Uh, there's a school in Toronto, actually in Malvern. And I, I don't want to name the name over the podcast due to privacy. However... They had 13 cases um, of COVID, and there was a discussion as to whether or not um, the edu- Minister of Education is going to um, uh, send kids on early vacation um, for uh, the winter season. And it seems right now the Ontario government's not going to do that, but they have seen a jump in cases in school, proven fact. And it's all over. You can check many different websites. You can check, you know, the, the, the city of Toronto, sorry, the, the, the Toronto district school board. You can check um, even Durham district school board. So it's just kind of strange to me that they would still have school going on and cases are, are rising, but yet they're not really doing anything. You know what I mean? Or it seems, I shouldn't say that they're not doing anything, but it seems like nothing is being done. Like maybe the, the, the long-term goal would be to push everybody um, onto e-learning, which would mm-hmm. prevent people from seeing each other. But then that's another effect on the children from a social aspect. Right? Yeah. I've, I've heard that they want to transition to e-learning, but the issue is they don't have enough teachers to support that. And like the whole people to people interaction is all kind of ruined right now that it would be all virtual. Hold up though. I mean, before before we put the blame on the schools let's not forget though that at the end of summer it was when we started phasing into what was it like phase two or three and 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 things were relaxing like how many articles have we actually seen where there's been covid cases in the schools because i don't i haven't seen a lot Mm -hmm. i've seen a few and it's been like you know one or two uh, kids in school getting there's, it. There's there's but quite a bit of cases. It's not now. Like there's a few, few, quite a few public schools in Scarborough alone um, that have cases that are increasing. Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, 
what are we oh, talking? Are we talking okay, more than so 10? Are we talking no, we're talking about like two or one, three? Okay, so for example, there was a school that had to be shut down for two weeks in Scarborough. Again, I can't name the school due to privacy, but they had to shut down the school for two weeks because they had something like five cases. Then they had another school last week in Malvern, specifically in Scarborough, that had 13 cases. They have to go, they might have to go into a shutdown as well. So you're shutting down all these schools while kids are learning. Right. This is not good for kids learning. Like, so what if, well, if they have tests, they have projects. So you just shut it down. Like what happens? Do they continue? Do they write these tests? Like you kind of mess up their, their, their study schedule. You see what I'm saying? You know, I think the thing. All right. So hold on. So I got, I just Google this right now. The, this is on the TDSB website. So this is the Toronto district school board for those who are listening. Um, which is the biggest school board in Canada, um, as far as I know. <laughs> I think I would think so. Uh, pretty sure it's bigger than Vancouver and Montreal. Um, they have a list here of all the confirmed cases among students. This is dated from November at November twentieth, five p.m. So I'm not going to go through every school because there's a lot of schools in the school board. But it's the total number is 285. Um, and then among staff, but I guess it's 59. Like, so the, the point that I'm trying to get across is you get it at school and then you try like it transmits to other people in your household and then it grows from there. So hold, hold on a sec here. Wait, wait, hold on a sec here. Aries, you said what site did you say you got that from? It's TDSB, oh, tdsb.on.ca. Okay. If you, that's, uh, that's, if you so look up COVID-19 Toronto, advisories. You have to look at Ontario because we're talking about Ontario as a whole. So if you look at Ontario website, they're reporting, uh, right? Number of reported cases, just go into Ontario.ca, right? They're saying number of cases reported in the last 14 days, 1,150 cases. It says school-related um, uh, school student cases, 706. And it keeps and it breaks down the statistics for you in different parts of the province. So if you look at different regions, it might seem small, but that doesn't mean that there's not cases, active cases going on in different schools. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, yeah, fair point. You know what I mean? Like you have to compare it as a, as a whole as Ontario. If you're just comparing Toronto, like that's just one area. Like there's you're forgetting Durham, you're forgetting Halton, you're forgetting. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's different, there's uh, Peel, there's York. There's so many different places. Like I'm looking at Brampton right now. <laughs> well, it's, it's bad that, we're, that you're laughing, but Brampton has so many cases. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not surprised. <laughs> That's terrible. Aries. No, listen, listen, I, 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 I understand. I understand where Aries is coming from. And the reason why I laughed is because every time you see the news, it's always something about Brampton, right? Like whether it be the cases or be some sort of issue in Brampton, right? Someone, someone throwing a house party in Brampton. Like that's probably, that's like the biggest thing that's always popping up. Yeah. Brampton has a lot of cases and Mississauga as well. Mm -hmm. Toronto has quite a few cases, but it seems like Brampton and Mississauga are kind of. Peel is catching up. Yeah. Are kind of. Uh, out out uh, doing Toronto right now, according to again the Ontario website. I mean, I I think I think like you guys still brought up some valid points, right? Like, there's issues with public transit, there's issues with community gatherings, there's issues with schools, right? But like, what can we do? That like, what can what can be done? 
like lock we know that lockdowns are they're gonna ruin people's mentalities there's gonna they're gonna ruin businesses but is that the way to go or is that the only thing we can do at this point i starting to lean more towards the idea that it's probably not the right way to go i think at the, when it first happened in the springtime that's fine you know i think no one really understood and no one knew what was going on we're all like okay yeah sure lockdown although i think there was definitely a lot of voices opposing that idea mm-hmm. but now it's like what we're going to a second lockdown like is this really necessary we already know that covid doesn't affect i mean it does but like it doesn't have deadly effects for people under 70 or 80 and people with yeah um, with people with the pre-existing conditions yeah yeah and so yeah i mean is it really necessary like lockdowns in a nursing home i'm all for lockdowns in a hospital for sure um but lockdowns at like a school or at the mall or at a restaurant i don't know i mean i'm i have a lot of business owning owner friends my family are entrepreneurs uh, and they're all suffering from it so you know sooner or later the the debt bubble is going to burst and we're all going to suffer from it that is true that and, is very true and i guess we should leave the viewers with this or the listeners with this question like what do you guys think do you guys think a lockdown is the right way to go like do you think there could be other options do you think other regions should have locked down as well uh, and how do you think the world is handling it? Hey guys, looks like you made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's topic. We want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on the topic discussed? Feel free to reach us on Instagram and Twitter at Disseminate News or email us at DisseminateNews at ProtonMail.com. And if you found us interesting, like and share in the podcast to help us grow the Disseminate community. Thanks again and let's make a change in a world of chaos.